Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. I'm talking with Jonathan Dio. Thanks for getting uh, joining us this afternoon, Jonathan. Thanks for having me, Larry. Glad to be here. I'm excited about hearing your story, which is amazing and uh, and unique in the sense that uh, you know where you started. You started. It sounds like from a spiritual standpoint, you turned into financial advisor, but then uh, you went out and you did something really amazing. Uh, pretty early in the game, it seemed like, or I don't know how long it was before you, you, uh, it says 90, you started out in Wall Street in 96 out of grad school. But before long, 2002, like some of the great titans of Wall Street, you, after be- spending a few years working for the other guys, getting your feet in the ground, making contacts, you went in and made the big jump, which is risky and competitive, starting your own wealth management firm. And uh, but that does give you the chance to learn faster, build your independence, and uh, you know have great things happen to you. So you made that jump, and what I I have, and you can uh, fill in the gaps. You started with six clients in two thousand two, and it's very hard to start a new wealth management firm. Even the guys who started BlackRock, yep, uh, they were legends inside other companies and when they went out they thought all we've got to do is we go out we form a partnership bam the world will come racing to our door because of our reputation and they went in and nobody called in fact they sent out hundreds and hundreds of flyers brochures they made calls they flew around the world nothing you know and it you know they finally dug it out you know and uh it's like uh so many things you have to Dig it out. I just read or saw YouTube last night. Eddie Van Halen, I'd never heard this. When they started, rock and roll was dead. You know, there was the kind of music, pop music was out there. There's no record company wanted to sign a rock band. So he said, well, we wanted to play rock music. So we just put our head down and we did like a thousand gigs, uh, you know, in a short period of time. He said one 11 month period. He said we did hundreds and hundreds, even like 28 out of 30 days in England. And then we came back and uh, the record company said, yeah, we want to make you an album, but now you also owe us $3 million. <laughs> and Eddie <laughs> said, uh, how does that work? But of course, you know, they kept on going and uh, they just ground it out. But it's amazing how that necessity of that comes in, even if you've got the reputation and prestige of starting your own thing. Not everybody, you got to prove, you know, you got to prove, you got to grind. And so we want to get into this. So congratulations on that achievement early in your career, building that up to uh, over 200 clients and 300 million in uh, in just 20 years. And then you went on and you merged and you will hear that story. But how did you get, uh, why were you in uh, studying uh financial you know i i kind of wish <laughs> i've grown up i grew up wishing that my parents had told me to be a major league pitcher but that would wouldn't have worked uh <laughs> to get that contract but at least at least uh put me
me in the direction of maybe becoming a hedge fund guy, you know? <laughs> nobody, nobody told me that was a good option. You know, you got competition, you got, you know, you got a, a lot of interesting people. You, you stay in touch with the world and uh, rumble, you know, it's rolling. You know, it's just like sports. But nobody ever mentioned that to me. But somehow you got that idea early on. Financial services is the way to go. And uh, I eventually wound up there, by the way. But uh, you got it early on. So talk about that. How did that happen? Well, I was poor. So I wanted. And I knew that if I wanted, then I needed to be good with money. And so I I went to, I think it was a private ledger office in Rapid City, South Dakota, when when my mom was shopping downtown rapid i went into a private ledger this is private ledger merged late 70s to become linsco private ledger one of the largest independent broker dealers and i was going to their office reading value line research and when i was nine years old uh eight years old nine years old i bought my first stock when i was nine Uh, lost 50 percent of the investment my dad kept sort of encouraging me to keep thinking about it uh went to went to college ultimately you know invested as a kid then went to college ultimately to study finance but after you know, reading value line for years and years and years, uh, and reading about business and reading business books and reading about real estate and, uh, I get to college and studying finance was boring. So boring. So I shifted to philosophy and I studied philosophy, religious studies for four years in college. And then I went to grad school in Tibetan Buddhist phenomenology, uh, uh, and studied that and loved every minute of it. And then my wife said, okay, you know, it's your turn to work well i go to college or i yeah. go to school, grad school and so all right let's do that and i found a job and i what, what could i do so i went back to i went back to stocks and i got hired at dean witter and i was at five different firms in five years you know mergers acquisitions you know lots of stuff happened and i moved a couple times and then ultimately as you said 2002 started my own company and so how did that form in your how long did that idea form in your mind that that was a direction you wanted to go. And at five, the great thing about five companies is you get lots of exposures. You meet a lot of people. You see you see probably a few things you like how it's done and a whole lot of how you don't like how it's done. But uh, a lot I'll, tell your, a lot I'll tell your story for you. But so what did that five uh, year expo that, that that exposure give you? And where along the way did you say, I'm going to get I'm going to do my own? Yeah, that's that is such an important question, and no one ever asks it. I, I I love the question. So I had a lot of really good managers. I had a lot of really good mentors. Uh, I had one guy who worked. He was the first manager of the combined Morgan Stanley Dean Witter office in San Francisco, um, and I think at, I don't, it, it, we called him the Ice Man. I don't remember what his name was. We called him the Ice Man, and he, as a young broker, he would call me into his office and he would say, "Okay, Jonathan, what I want you to do is I want you to." dial this number, tell him to hold on for me. That was my job. Like I had to dial this guy's number, tell yeah. him to hold on, hold for Jim. That's his name. Hold for Jim, hold for Jim, hold for Jim. I do that for like four hours. Then I go and study my study my text to get my exams done, right? Um, this guy was, he was cold uh, uh, and he'd walk through the aisles. I remember him walking through the aisles of the, of the office saying, okay, we've got, you know, we've got this much product. We got to move it, you know, call your clients and get this stuff done and get this stuff done. So it was just, it was all product pushing. It was all sales and stuff. And, um, so I learned that at, at a couple of firms. Uh, I learned a lesson about the protection of their best salespeople, regardless of the ethical nature of their jobs. Um, you know, they pull out all the lawyers to to protect the guy that's selling the most widgets. Uh, and it's, I got grossed out pretty quickly. But 
I had a guy named Ernie Guzman and Ernie was my, probably the most important mentor in my early career. And he said, the thing about this business, Jonathan, is there's lots of ways to do it. You can do it your way. Um, and so I started just focusing on financial planning. I quit selling product. I quit trying to get the five, you know, five, six, seven percent commissions. I, I just, let's do some planning. Let's let's build a balanced portfolio. Let me look at your whole life. Let's let's think about this in a big picture. I love that, uh, but that's not how you get paid. That's not how you got paid, you know, twenty five years ago on Wall Street. So I ended up saying the only way I can do this, really serve the master, which is the client, not the firm, is to start my own company. That's how. That's really the instigation for it. Well, you know, I got exposed to that aspect early on, kind of indirectly, when uh, we were in a financial planning company for middle-income people, later became, it was later became, and I'm not supposed to say that because of the lawyers, but the, um, so I'm going to, this would be like a needle in a haystack, so if they actually find that, I'm going to give them a jar of jelly boons. I said, you know, I did that as a test to see if you could find it, but <laughs> It's not that I don't mention it on here a lot because uh, not that I'm not proud of it. It's just that the lawyers, you know, and so (laughs) what happened is we moved up. We said, we want to participate in our success. Let's get a reinsurance company. And uh, so the uh, found the guy that we credited as being the founder, we kind of all did it as a cooperative. But anyway, the guy who was in charge, he goes to New York. And to raise money with the investment bankers, and they get him in the wool, pan, you know, the the wood uh, oak paneled office and the big thing and the big formal. You're supposed to impress them, and they're all dressed up to the nines. And he shows up in a sweatsuit, and they put all their presentations on there. And he got up to speak. I was not there. I heard this. He said, "Let me just tell you what I think of you guys. You're all a bunch of whores." <laughs> He said, you don't go what you're selling. You're just selling it to whoever will buy. And uh, <laughs> he had them pegged pretty well, at least a majority, you know, a lot of them. And yeah. so what you're saying is in a maybe not so crude way, you saw that happening uh, and you didn't like, you saw it happening from the inside and you didn't like it. So there's there's a there's a story that never gets told also for the lawyers, but I'll, I'll I won't name names, but uh, I'll tell you the story. So we yeah. the the one of the final straws in the whole conversation. So that happened the whole time. Like every firm I went to, there's always that sell stuff, sell stuff in the in the underbelly. Yeah, but we were we were I had a team of three advisors, and we had some support staff. Um, and this is at uh, uh, at, at the time it was at UBS, uh, Payne Weber UBS, and we were heavily recruited by another firm, and. This other firm was the firm that led the dot-com stock option stuff. So if you, if you had a company and you were public and you had stock options, more than likely you cleared those options through this company. And we were constantly taking business away from them. The whole idea of owning the stock option plan for a company, if you own the plan for Cisco, you know the people whose options are now um, coming available. So you know who to call, right? You have a direct line right. to potential new business. And, and we had figured out a way, my team had figured out a way to actually not get the list or get the names of the people whose options, but we got into those companies. You know, we had a client there and they got us in there, introduced a bunch of people. And we were just taking money out of there all the time because um, we were planning oriented. We're doing it the right way. And so this company recruited us, recruited us, recruited us, recruited us. And we finally, you know, we said, okay, this looks like a good opportunity. We'll do this. We moved from UBS Payne Weber to this company. Uh, and within three months, 
we, and we were the fastest growing group at UBS Payne Weber. We were killing it. We were doing really well. Uh, we moved within three months. Our team had imploded. We had discovered all kinds of, you know, nefarious crap at this new firm, um, overbilling of clients. You know, our, our assistant discovered that universally clients were being overbilled and then not told. And we were like, we got to send a letter out. And we were like, no, you can't send a letter out. That's, you know, every other advisor was like horrified that we would even suggest it. And so this place was totally unethical. And then we we said, okay, we're we're done. And we left. So we were there for three months. Um, clients don't follow you. They don't think you've done your due diligence if you leave three months after you get there. So I started yeah. all over, 100% brand new again. Yeah. You know, I went from a book of like 200, 250 million to zero uh, and started over. I think maybe at that point, I had maybe three clients that would follow me again. Uh, so we took those three clients and we started over and that was 2001. I lasted one year at the new place. And this is, you know, options are all worthless at this point. The way we had done business didn't work anymore. We didn't have access to the money to start the new things out. And so my my manager, and this is another downside of the, of the industry, my manager was like, okay, you need to up the revenue you produce for the company. So you need to start selling B-share mutual funds and and annuities. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. That's yeah. crap. That hurts the client. So they let me go. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I was like already knowing that this is coming and I'm, I'm already planning and I have a relationship with LPL and I start with an independent broker dealer, you know, a week later, and that's this launch, you know, in the basement of my house, took the six clients with me. And then there we are, we off to the races at the new thing. Did you pick up, uh, while you worked with these companies, were you moving into any management? Did you give her any management experience or uh, responsibilities like that? Or were you just a uh, gunslinger? I mean, you know, you just. I, I was an advisor. I was an advisor, gunslinger, salesman. That's all I was. Did they now, how much, when you originally went in, I could just see their jaw dropping. Oh, Lord, thank goodness we've been waiting for a PhD candidate with zero sales experience to come in our door with high morals and uh, no, you know, no experience, but lots of time spent on quality of life and doing things the right way. This is really who we're after. In fact, we are fortunate to get him because usually these guys go to work at car companies, you know, uh, <laughs> Yeah, 19. So this is 1996, right? So we've had three, four great years of tech boom. We've got four years ahead of us in tech boom. Um, and really, you know, I'm, I'm smart. Um, I can talk like, but really the interview process was, do you have a degree? Yes, I had a degree. You know, can you think on your feet? Yeah, I can think on my feet. Can you cold call that? If you could cold call, you would have a job. It didn't take much to get a job uh, with a brokerage house in 1996, 1997. And how did you know you could cold call? Did they train you on that? Did they say they would give you any training or? Uh, you, you, they give you some training. I just am not, a, I'm just not afraid to talk to people. I hated it. I didn't like cold calling, but I was, I was one of the top cold callers. I could make 350 dials in a day, right? I could, I could cold call with like nobody's business, but um, I had also, that was, I had a really good mentor there too. And he just, he gave me the script. He gave me the this is how you track your calls, you know, circle this one, cross that one out. You made a connection. What does that mean? How do you follow up? I told me how to do all that stuff, but um, great mentors teaching and just too stupid to fail. Like I, I was just, I just dug in, dug in, worked hard. And so were, were you calling off of lists? Cause back 
way back then, you know, you would buy lists of people that are kind of qualified, semi-qualified. And that's how, what uh, you get a list and you just smile and dial. So it's a couple different things, a couple different ways you did it. They, they would give us cards, like people that had suggested they'd had an interest in stock investing. We'd get those cards from the manager and they were all crap. Um, yeah. uh, and then we'd get, um, back in the day, they had a reverse directory. You go to the library, you check out a reverse directory and you pick a neighborhood and you'd look at the addresses in the neighborhood and it would give you the phone number for the people at that address. So you could, really? so you could pick out a neighborhood with a, you know, an idea of the wealth level and you just cold call that neighborhood. Um, that also yeah. didn't work really well. And so the way we really got <laughs> to be successful I'm, is we- I'm, re- I'm being reminded uh, of- uh, various stages of my career where I, I used to joke with the CEO is like, well, one more time I've proved to myself I can't do the business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's over learning, 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 yeah. pivot, learning, pivot. Yeah. We finally yeah. figured out a way in the this is the late 90s to, and this is probably not legal, but you could call in a company like five o'clock in the morning yeah. and you dial an extension and the extension would, you know, they wouldn't pick up. And so you'd know the extension 1758 at Cisco was Bob Samuelson. And so you'd write down Bob Samuelson for 1758. And if you hit pound, it sends you back so you could dial a different extension. So then you ah. dial 1759, that's Sammy Davis. And so you'd hit pound and you go back into 1780. And so you just build out a whole list within a company. And then nine o'clock shows up and people show up to work. You start dialing the company. You built your own list. And that was incredibly powerful. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealanwinning.com. Thanks for listening.